Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. As you know, life is full of surprises. Some of those surprises are excellent, while some are not. In Psalm 4, David is learning how to trust God in the unexpected events of life, something we all need to learn. The way David does this is similar to the way many of the people in the Bible do. He trades his anxiety and worry for trust and prayer. Yet the way David prays is probably different than the way we do. David expresses urgency as well as confidence in the character of God. This is a great lesson for all of us. Here's Pastor Jim in part one of his message, When the World Suddenly Changes. All right, Psalm 4, I want to read it to you. The chief musician with strings instruments, a psalm of David. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long, O you sons of men, will you turn turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart uh, on your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart more than in the seasons that their, their grain and wine increased. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Well, as you know, life is full of surprises. And many of us know that things can change in life on a moment's notice, sometimes quite badly. Psalm 4 is about such a time, we we don't know the absolute circumstances. It could be tied to Psalm 3, where we know some of the problems that are going on there with David and his son. And it seems to be a people problem. And David is learning through it, but he is also counseling people through it. And so the title of our message tonight is, When the World Suddenly Changes when the world suddenly changes. What David is learning is how to think, how to react, how to grow in faith and trust, and trust God more in the unexpected events of life. Now, this is important because as we learn this, we learn to trust in God's fatherly care and what we do is, as we learn about his fatherly care, we give our anxious hearts over to that fatherly care. There, there's something else very important to hear here. There's an old expression, prayer changes things. And others would say that prayer changes us. And that's what's happening to David, or if there's another Bible writer here, we presume it to be David. Through prayer... His focus changes from anxiety to trust. His focus changes from circumstances to God. And so the psalm reading of the heading says, To the chief musician with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. 
So this is both a song and a prayer. And they would use it in, in the worship at the temple. And they would be singing and praying at the same time, which a lot of our songs are that. We're, think of them that way. Think of when we're singing, and we should all sing. And think about the fact that many times we are praying, or at least at the very least, we are offering praise to God. So verse 1 begins with David calling upon the Lord. He says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved, another version says, freed me in my distress. Have mercy on me. Another version says, be gracious to me. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Now, when I look at the Bible writers, I'm often confronted with the fact that they pray very differently than I pray, and I believe that most of us pray. This prayer is interesting. He, he says at the beginning, hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness, you have relieved me in my distress. You've done that in the past. Then he says, have mercy on me and hear my prayer. So first off, he begins with his confidence in God, and then he moves right into what? His urgency. He moves into, hear me, God, have, 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 have mercy on me, please, hear my prayer. Note the urgency. He says, hear me when I call. Uh, most versions say, answer me when I call. We might say, help, help me, God. Now, next, once we figure we've got God's attention, we typically move into the problem, but David puts the Lord's character first. Notice what he says, hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Now, I think that's more than the fact that God himself is righteous, and that is true for, for sure, but I think it also has to deal with David knows that God deals righteously with his people. Well, first off, let me ask you, are you one of his people? If you're not, we're glad you're with us here tonight. If you are, we're glad you're here with us tonight. But if you are one of his people, if you've put your trust in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, do you know that God deals righteously with his people? Perhaps appealing to God as the judge of all the world who judges rightly on behalf of his children. Now, when we say that God judges rightly on behalf of his children, that does not mean that everything is always going to go the way we want it to go. It doesn't mean everything is always going to go our way. And it's very clear the Bible writers know that. And they don't pretend that things are not what they are. They're very open and honest about how things are going. And and in that, they really teach us how to pray. On the other hand, never forget that God has promised to care for his children, and we can call on him to do that. So never feel bad about asking God to help you or to do something for you, unless it's something evil or something selfish or something like that, which is against his character. And being able to call upon God to help us, that is a privilege that children of God have. And notice he says, hear me, answer me. He's basically saying, I need relief. And he says, have mercy or be gracious to me. Now, David lived 
about a thousand years before Jesus, what's he doing? He's doing what we read in the scripture after Jesus ascended into heaven in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 4.16 says, therefore, let us therefore come boldly, some versions say with confidence, to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. That's exactly what David's doing here. He's a child of God coming to his heavenly father, asking God for grace and for mercy. And see, David remembers after he he comes to the Lord and he says, hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Next, he remembers God's faithfulness. He says, you have, past tense, you have relieved or freed me in my distress. It's an interesting thing. It doesn't, it doesn't translate so well into English, but the literal meaning of what's written here is this, is that, Lord, I'm in a narrow place and I'm asking for you to make it into a wide place. We might say, Lord, I'm jammed up. I'm jammed up here and I need you to, to free me to, to relieve what's going on. So the idea is, he says, I feel closed in. I feel trapped. I feel suffocated. Perhaps, perhaps he's trapped somewhere and he's like, my, my movements feel restricted. Is that familiar maybe with the way some of us feel right now? We can't go here. We can't go there. We're a little sometimes uneasy about going to certain places. In other words, He's saying to God, in the past, Lord, I have been oppressed. I have been depressed. I have been distressed before you, God. And you came through for me. So now I'm coming to you again. And I'm asking you to help me again. Then he says, Lord, have mercy on me. This would be something that would be said of someone who is absolutely desperate and realizes there's nothing that they can do to change the situation. Totally out of their hands. And some versions say gracious. And I think in this context, gracious might be a better translation in the sense that David is coming to God saying, I need something that I may not deserve, but uh, that's what grace is. I'm, I'm asking you for that. I'm asking you for some relief. And this is how many of the Bible writers pray. They're, they're open. They're honest. They, they lay the situation out before the Lord, not like he doesn't know, but they ask him for his help, remembering the goodness of God, the righteousness of God, and then appealing to God for his goodness, for his righteousness. You see, this is a big difference, I think, between our prayers and the Bible writer's prayers. And these prayers are in the Bible to teach us how to pray. When the Bible writers pray, they focus a lot more on God than we do. We tend to focus on what? The problem, the need. And, it's, and like the Bible writer was, would say to us, listen, you can get to that, but turn your focus to God first. 
Turn your focus to God's character first. By doing so, um, it, it seems that like a lot of times the Bible writers kind of realize before other people, they might appear to be righteous, but before God, they're really not. And they're very honest with God about, about who they are. Yet, the, another thing I love about the way the Bible writers pray, and this is a little edgy. Those of you who like edgy stuff, this is kind of edgy. I find sometimes the Bible writers, when they pray, they can be borderline demanding. <laughs> they're, not, they're not like, oh, dear God. Not a lot at all. They're just like, hey, hey, you're, you're great. You're wonderful. You've helped me in the past. Help me again. They are, they, are, they are confident in their relationship with God that they can be kind of like a pest, kind of like demanding, praying with, with real you know, fervency. I love that kind of praying. Like, you know, we, we think of how we pray sometimes for God to move in a certain way and, and move in a community or move in a, a country or something like that. And, and, and these guys, we're like, oh God, you know, please do this. And God is like, these, the Bible writer's like, no, God, you got to do this, man. We're telling you, man, you, you got to do this. And that seems to allow them to hold on in faith. Because if you notice, a lot of the Bible writers get in it pretty deep. And so you, you can't knock their way of praying by, by focusing on God first, letting him know the situation, and again, being borderline demanding in the midst of their great difficulty, their trouble, their heartache, and their confusion. It's all this, they go through all of the same stuff that we do. It's just a lot of times the way they approach God is very different. The Bible writers also show us that it is much more important and empowering, and we're going to see this in David in what he talks about next, to speak to God before we speak to people. Now, a lot of us would say, oh, I know that, I know that, but we don't do that. That will produce in us, if we do that, if we speak to God first before we speak to people, that will produce in us a divine boldness. Now, not a divine obnoxiousness. <laughs> there's really no such thing as a divine obnoxiousness. There's a, there's a divine boldness, and it's the same way Jesus spoke to people. I mean, people were just, he would, I could imagine some of the things Jesus said. People were like, did he just say that? Yes, because Jesus had a divine boldness about him. And now we're going to see David move into that divine boldness in verse 2. He says, how long, O you sons of men, some verses just say, O men, how long, O you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? Some versions say, my honor to shame. Now, I think he's talking about the fact that he is the king. How long will you love worthless and worthlessness and seek falsehood? Another version says, seek after lies. And then we get that word, selah. He says, take a break. So let's look at the primary question. How long, O oh, you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? 
So people are against him. How long are you going to do this? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? So here's an interesting thing. David not only prays about the situation, but now he counsels the people that are against him, something that followers of Jesus often encounter. If you're a follower of Jesus, and this has suddenly changed in our society, you're going to find a lot of people are against you. So you're going to need divine boldness if you're not going to wilt. Now, now <laughs> we're in a crisis now. And sometimes um, people are going to say stuff like this to you. Hey, where's your God? Where is he? You talk to him, don't you? And you should say, yeah, I talk to him every day, all the time. And wh wh where is he? When's he going to show up? Or other people might say to you, you, it seems like this whole thing we're going through as a country, the, the, the pandemic, the riots, the political situation, the unemployment, all kinds of, it, it's, you seem really upset, man. You seem really down. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? You're going to hear stuff like that sometimes from people. And interesting in terms of the political realm. Uh, certain biblical truths now are twisted as being unloving, even, even racist now. Yet David, having spoken to God first, is able to call these people out to repent and put their trust in the Lord. You say, where do, where do you do that? Well, how, how long, O sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? You need to repent. You need to repent. How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? You need to trust in God, not in falsehood. Selah, stop. Think about that. Now, who are these men? Again, the language doesn't translate totally well, but the language appears to be that they are prominent citizens, perhaps wealthy people, perhaps powerful politicians or those in the religious order, which were the politicians of the day in many cases. They scoff at David, who is the king. And today we know that, that people scoff at the king and deny his glory. And I mean King Jesus. It's still the same thing today. And it's amazing how fast that has all happened. It's like the internet came and people just said, oh, I'm going to drop Jesus. That's it. I'm done. Today, politicians and media have most of our country in a knot. Instead of doing the right thing, bringing peace and bringing clarity, in David's own day, his very own son denied the authority and position that God had given to his father. That, that's what I think David's talking about. Will you turn my glory and honor to shame? Now, of course, it's a picture of Jesus. It's a picture of what you may go through. But ultimately here, it's, it's David, as they would have understood it reading it, David saying, you know, listen, son, I don't know why God picked me. 
but he's given me this position and this authority. And so what did, what did Absalom do? His son Absalom, what did he do? He called disciples unto himself, away from the authority that God had given to his father, David, and he called disciples unto himself. David was very, very busy. Being a king is very, very busy. There's a lot to do. I think of all the stuff that I have to do, and I'm thinking, my goodness, what did a king have to do? And so Absalom hung out at the front gate and said, hey, if I was the king, I'd have time for the people. I wouldn't be so busy all the time. And, and that's what Absaloms do. And, is Absal- and, and, and it worked. And Absalom and his band of deceived followers became traitors to the work of the Lord. It's, it is so sad to me, you know, I'm just watching what's going on in, in our culture, and I have a, a probably a more politically driven sermon that maybe we'll do sometime in the future uh, on this very psalm, but it, it's very sad to me how, a, how such a small group of people can set the tone for an organization. It's very sad to me how such a small group of people can set the tone even for a country and how very misleading they often are. Yet David is a clear voice against the enemies of the Lord, against the enemies of Yahweh, against the enemies of the Lord's way of life. Now, here's the thing, guys. In the short term, when people are talking like this or being traitors or something like that, it, it may seem easier to give in. But is that loving to God? Is that loving to people? In the short term, yes, it might seem easier. But is it easy to live with that guilty of conscience? Is it easier in the long term? But David's methods is not out to destroy them. But what David is trying to do is he is trying to call them to the path of righteousness. I mean, he could be like, oh, okay, we're just going to come after you and we're going to, that's it. You know, you're dead. You're done. You see, David knows this. It's very easy for leaders to go astray. If you're a leader of any kind, boy, it's so easy for leaders to go astray. It's so easy to, to fall into a, to, to a bad place or, or a bad way of thinking. It's so easy to be influenced by, by the wrong people and the wrong things. And so David, what will he do? He will seek to restore their focus to the right things. And that's the right thing to do. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But at the end of the day, long term, you stand before God. And David knows that. See, how do you do that? Well, in verse 3, we see that David knows who he is in God. And so often we keep coming back to this theme of identity. David doesn't have identity amnesia. David knows who he is. Look what he says, verse 3. But know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. 
Now, is David talking about himself? Well, he is the man after God's own heart. But we do know that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, that, you know, he sets us apart for himself. So you are godly. Now, some people say godly. What what does that mean? Does that mean that you're loved by God or that you love God? Exactly. Exactly. It means both. He says, but know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear. Another version says the Lord hears when I call him. Here, David reminds us all that a follower of Yahweh, a follower of the Lord Jesus, the, the God's name in the Old Testament was I am. Jesus kept saying I am, the same name. That a follower of God is, is under the covenant protection of God. And David is saying, I may be the king, but understand this. I know that I belong to the king. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Changed by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Changed by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.